Hey everyone, welcome back to Kumo's Unfiltered Combos podcast. Again, this is uh, season three and you are currently listening to episode 10. Uh, this is going to be part two on colorism. So the continuation on the conversation of colorism. Um, and in this next um, episode, we actually dive deeper into um, the many forms of how colorism shows up within the black community from skin bleaching to fetishism to white supremacy and light skin privilege and how we can all uh to my lighter skin folks how you all can use your your use your privilege to again um center the most um marginalized and oppressed by colorism um and i do also just want to put a disclaimer out that um in this recording i do touch on um how i was um upholding white supremacy uh, at one point in my life by dating only white men um and i do i want to say that with my intentions when i specifically would only date white men that was only for the purpose of one because i was um, operating from a place of anti-blackness just because of what i had experienced uh, with black men and you know growing up and seeing just women in my family also just marrying you know uh, white men like it really did affect me um, in no shape or form am i saying that anyone who is dating a white man currently right now um, that you are upholding white supremacy i mean we are in a way but i also feel that if it's not based on anti-blackness or um where you're not just being like oh i hate white black people you know what i mean like you hate your own race you know you're um what is it when you're just very anti-black and um self-hate so it's not about bringing self-hate to the black community um but i think it's very important also to you know ask yourself like those deep questions of why am i with this person you know what i mean because sometimes we can subconsciously uphold white supremacy and that's something that i did um so yeah the whole point of this conversation is to do better and to grow and learn um and i never want anything to be taken out of context or for people to feel like oh dang like i can't love a white man no if you, that's who you love that's who you love right um as long as they're respecting you and they don't look at you like a fetish and they understand what comes with dating a black person um then yeah y'all do you um but if it's like on some fetish shit, y'all need to check them motherfuckers. Like, period. You either they gotta go or you just cut that shit off quick. It's kind of like get out. I don't know if some of y'all watched Get Out, but yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure that that's communicated and not taken out of context because uh, one of the panelists did bring that up and I'm thankful that she brought it up to me for me to just clarify and add more context. Um, but yeah. You're about to listen to episode 10. Again, this is going to be part two on the conversation of colorism. Thank you for supporting Kumo's Unfiltered Combos podcast. And if you are listening on Apple, um, please go ahead and leave a review. Um, those reviews really do be hitting. So yes, go ahead and leave that review. Um, and yeah, we're about to get into it. Thank y'all. Bye. Fair. 
so much you know you can prepare them and then they're gonna log on the internet and hear yellow bone is what he wants you know like and <laughs> and I say that because people who you know kind of I guess uh meet your love for your rich melanated skin tone with well I'm lighter skin and that's what he wants that tells me that growing up what was reinforced for you was because you're lighter, you're better. Mm. And so perpetuate that. And so I think the best way of combating that is just starting with people who are closest to you and teaching them to love their skin tone so that when they're met with that animosity or just that kind of disgusting rhetoric, um, they can walk away from that and be like, the problem is not me or my skin tone. The problem is you. <laughs> it is you, your skin tone, and that man that you're with. <laughs> and this is Lila signing off. Yo, I, by the way, Lila, I love your little sister. Every time you post her, I'm like, oh my God, baby fever. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, uh, so I will let her know that she has, she, well, actually she knows she has fans, but. Yes, I'm a fan. I be fangirling. I'm like, she's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Anybody else? Uh, I would like to speak. This is Santia. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, that was my first time seeing that fucking video. Uh, so hit me right in the field. I am a huge crier. Um, well, I won't get into astrology and all that shit. But yes, I'm a huge crier. Um, and it reminded me of a video that I saw when I was in college, actually, when I was in culinary school. Um, and there was a video from like, maybe like the 60s or 70s. And it was just a bunch of little kids. It was like some sort of test on children, like, okay, which doll is prettiest, which doll is ugliest, right? And it was like white kids and then there were black kids. Like, the doll test, right? The, the doll yeah. test? Yep, yep, the doll test. And I just remember like being one of two black people in my fucking culinary class. And the teacher at the time, he was like Sicilian, but I'm pretty sure his dad was like Caribbean or something. Yes, yes. Um, and he was like very dark skinned. So teacher looked black. I later found out he was Sicilian. And I just remember like bawling, like sobbing. I was like 18, fresh out of high school, like didn't really, I mean, I had dealt with colorism, but I was going to school in Scottsdale, which was completely different from me being on the South side. So it was like, it hit me really hard. And I just remember the teacher had, he was like, everybody leave, everybody leave the class. So I'm like get, getting my stuff. And he was like, not you. And he was like, why are you crying? And I was like, because it's sad, like what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, and people see me when I go to different jobs and they see that I'm dark skinned and they assume that they can treat me a certain way. And like, we really do have to stand up for ourselves in order to be seen. Now, granted, this was from a man's perspective, obviously. So his, his experience is gonna be very different from mine, but you know, just kind of what uh, Lila was saying, as far as like, it starts at home. Like we have to tell these children how beautiful they are because the world can eat black kids alive. Like they kill us like they kill us just for being black kids and doing what kids do but because we're black all of a sudden it 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 becomes it becomes 
animalistic or something like we're inhuman because we choose to act as though other people how other people act and it's accepted like white kids be doing the fucking most in high school but black kids have a party and it gets kind of out of hand next thing you know cops are there fucking pinning down black girls and shit um so yeah it was just it was really wild i felt like i had something else to hit on but i forgot about it so yeah this is shantia uh, thanks shantia dom you have something to add um, not something to add, but like a different perspective, I guess, since we're, we are um, touching on the different layers that come with colorism. Mm-hmm. So right now I feel like we're on the layer of um, darker, darker skin people's perspective um, in regards to colorism and how, uh, you know, we are the lesser than or however you want to um, put that. But I would also like to speak on the relationship of Black people in versus light-skinned people. And I say this because I just recently, honestly, it's it's very frustrating, even like recollecting the conversation that I saw on Twitter, that hellscape of a place. Um, So basically, because we were talking about how um, light-skinned colorism relates to whiteness and uh, light-skinned people relating to whiteness, you're closer to that. Um, And in saying that, uh, some black people feel that light-skinned people are not black and mm. I, I want to touch on that I want to touch on how like confusing that is um, and how uh, harmful that type of mindset is because the whole the whole um, the well first I guess for context uh, somebody quoted a person that tweeted and was like um, they were talking about non-black people speaking on relations of black people and like on behalf of them and that black person was like oh not a non-black speaking on behalf of me and you know they just went back and forth and got upset and then (laughs) lo and behold you find out that the person who originally tweeted it is black and they're like i am black what are you talking about i shouldn't have to show you my um my parents in order for you to validate me and my blackness and I was just like yeah that part but then you have all these other people who are joining in and chiming in and they're like oh yeah no um I I never have I'm never gonna have to show um, my my grandparents or my my parents or anything like that I'm never gonna have to show pictures or or anything like that because you know y'all be easy because I'm black I'm dark skin I'm you can see it in my features my uh my nose my my eyelashes like literally all my eyelashes literally all of these features and all that stuff and I'm like that I feel like that's a very harmful mentality because of what I was talking about earlier we are super diverse (laughs) as as whole entities like we we look so different and that has nothing to do with the with the rape that came with um, all the colonizing and all that stuff like it has nothing to do with that we we are as ourselves are diverse and so like seeing people go oh you know it's very it's very easy to tell who's black and who's not black and all that stuff because you know black people have our features that tell you even if you are light-skinned you will have black features and I'm just like I don't think that's correct at all (laughs) like that's literally not that's not how that works (laughs) but everyone that's how everybody on twitter was looking at it they're like oh well you're light-skinned but if you have to show a picture of your um parents then you're not black and Mm -hmm. i'm just like that's that's super harmful because the same people will get on twitter and have the conversations that we're having about how we all want to be 
you know, <laughs> together and one is unity, but then you're turning to your light skin fellows and you're telling them they're not black enough. They're not mm. black. They're not this. They're not that. But you don't even know how to label your blackness correctly. Mm. That, yeah, that's, that's, about, that's another layer I feel like we should, we should speak about is like how we address each other in that sense. Because if we're going to check if we're going to check a light-skinned person for taking roles and all that stuff, we also have to check ourselves and how we treat our counterparts. Yes, okay. I will. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no that was it. Okay. That was Dom speaking. Um, I will get to you, uh, Rebecca, in a little bit. Um, but I definitely, um, honestly, that is something that I also do uh, struggle with and that I don't agree with. When um, that's why I said a disclaimer that this is not a moment to bash light skinned people or mixed race people because I don't um, I don't want it to be that we are dismissive of your experience. That's not what this is about. Um, so I definitely it does make me feel some type of way when I see other brown skinned people or dark skinned people saying, "Oh, well, that person's not black. They're not black." Obviously, Danny Lane, shout out, Danny Lane, my heart goes out to her. My heart goes out to her with what she's going through because I know abuse, like I would never wish that on anybody else. However, Danny Lane is a Dominican. She, she is the Dominican Latinx woman who is very, she has very strong light skin features. She's not black. Danny Lane is not black. So with Danny Lane, <laughs> and her saying what she said about he wants a yellow bone. So for me, it's kind of hard. I'm going to be honest. It's kind of hard for me to be on the side where, one, I've been in an emotional abusive relationship. So I know how that affects me mentally, right? So I've, I've gone through emotion, emotional abuse. However, it's very hard for me as a brown skinned woman to see this woman who, one, can say the N-word, she has license to say the N-word. She has license to take so much from our culture, right? And again, I, I stand in solidarity because I'm a woman. At the end of the day, I am a Black woman, right? I Like when the world sees me, I'm a woman. However, I do disagree with people like her. I don't, I don't agree with people like her who take from our community and come into our community and appropriate our community. I don't agree. Again, I'm not saying what happened to her is okay. I'm not saying that at all. However, I disagree when women like her come into our community and try to play black. And then we have other black, black people who dismiss of people like a Kamala. Kamala is a black woman. And I know people are gonna come in my DMs. You can come in my DMs, that's fine. Kamala is a black woman. Her mother, I think her mother is Jamaican. I don't know who, but she is Black. So when we dismiss her Blackness, that's when I have a problem with that. I will always go hard for the light-skinned community and mixed-race people when, if you ever attack their Blackness. Meghan Markle, she is a Black woman. Now, are they Black people who only use their Black card when they feel it is appropriate for them, yes, they are. We have Black folks who choose to say, oh, I'm going to use my Black card right now because it's appropriate for me. But the, it's a different conversation. Anyways, I, I, I definitely agree with you, Dom, that, you know, dismissive of other Black folks is like Blackness, especially mixed race people and uh, light-skinned people. I disagree with that. Like, I will never be like, oh, 
Yes, vice president. Uh, she's a vice president. I will never be like, she's not black. Kamala is a black woman. She's an acceptable black woman. I don't know if that answered the question, um, but Rebecca, you had something to add. Oh yeah, this just touched on something for me that is like a, a weirdness that I live in. So I don't say that I'm a black woman and it's not because I am not proud of like my blackness that is in my family, but I'm very conscious that I like live in this world as an ambiguous looking person. So when we were talking about like relative to the space that you're in, like I went to a super white high school after growing up in like a very diverse black, brown and Asian neighborhood. And when I was there, people would ask me all the time, are you mixed? Are you black? Are you this? Are you whatever? I never really got that so much. I would get it a little bit as a kid where I grew up, um, especially because I don't really look like Mexican. And that's what my Mexican friends would tell me. And then I didn't really look black, but then my black friends would see like my cousins who had moved from New York and they look, they, you know, they look more black, like they are black. And so they'd be like, oh, well, you're black too. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I guess kind of. And even to this day, I'll always say like, I come from black people. I have a black dad, you know, like he's on the lighter end. My grandparents are black, but I feel very weird about taking up space saying like, yes, I'm a black woman because clearly like, if I was walking down the street and I've had people tell me this so much throughout my life, they're like, what are, we don't know what you are. What are you? And especially like right now my hair's in a bun, but I have, you know, I have what's considered like pretty curly hair, but it's like the, when we're talking about even textured hair, right? Like probably would be considered the better textured hair or like, you know, in the Latinx community, like there's pelo malo and there's like what, Pelo bueno, right? Like I would be considered to have like the good hair or whatever. But I don't know. Like that for me is like I never want to take up space. I think also too, just seeing how my sisters who are darker than me move through the world differently. I'm like, I don't want to take space away from other black women or other people that come from African ancestry who who are really like are oppressed differently, especially in like this American system, right? Like white supremacy is, it's global. It exists everywhere, right? Anti-Blackness exists everywhere. It's global. You can see that anywhere and everywhere, but especially in America, I'm like, I have a really hard time, like looking at a, a darker skinned Black person, especially someone who is like full Black, right? And being like, oh, well, I'm Black too. Um, like I'm a black woman. I just feel so like that's as a, when we're talking about like checking your light skin privilege or your, I, w I don't know. I don't think I'm white passing, but whatever, like I'm light, right? Like I'm ambiguous passing. I say that all the time. Like people don't know what I am. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time like taking up that space and I have a hard time when, you know, people that look like me also take up that space. And I don't, I still have a hard time defining how I talk about myself um, because I never wanted to seem like I'm ashamed of coming from black people, but I like, I'm just so conscious that for me, there's, there's so much privilege in how I look in, in, in this country and growing up like in Arizona, right? And being able to kind of move and slip through different crowds and no one ever really knows what I am. So no one ever really knows how to treat me. And then it's interesting to see people find out like, 
say something and then I'm like, oh, well, actually, da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden they kind of backtrack, right? Because mm. so, so for me, like it's, I live in this weird, ambiguous world. And like I said, I still don't know how to define it because I'm so proud of the people that I come from. I love my family so much. I like, they're so beautiful. Like, you know, growing up, I was always like, I wish I looked like them, right? Like, I wish I looked more like my dad's side of the family because I do look like that side, but I was like, I wish I looked more like them because that's the side that I are, that I always identified with more. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like, like when we're talking about these perspectives and it's all relative, like, yeah, maybe to a white person, you know, when my hair's all curly and it's like big and the way that I look and just, you know, being kind of having a different look than most people, like I probably do look like I've literally had people like, oh, you look exotic or you look mixed, whatever. But like, I think moving through the world, a lot of people wouldn't be like, oh yeah, she's black. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm going, I'm rambling because I don't know what to say, but um, I'm not disagreeing with what Dom is saying at all, but I'm coming from this perspective of like, I think people like me need to check their privilege and like really take a good hard look like into how we move through the world in comparison to a lot of other folks. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for that. And I'll get to you, Lila, in a little bit. And uh, the way that I actually met uh, Rebecca was uh, last week we had, uh, uh, we basically pulled up to ASU because they're on some fuck shit trying to, um, you know, suspend slash expel Black queer femme students and brown students who basically stood up to some white vigilantes who came into their multicultural space. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I loved about you, Rebecca, because when I first heard you speak, you you like spoke about, you basically called out the Latinx community and you said, I need you to hear this. You basically repeated it and you said about Afro Latin Latinx people. And when I first heard you speak, I was like, yo, she looks Latinx. Like that's that was my first like you know, I was like, yo, she's a Latinx woman, like here, like she's really coming in for these folks, like she's going in, in her people. And you said something that you were like, you, you highlighted the Afro Latinx community. And I have never seen that in the movement space in this community from Latinx people. And I remember being like, yo, who was this person? Like, this is dope. And then I quickly slid in your DMs like a couple hours later. <laughs> I was like, yo, Rebecca, like, thank you so much. Like, I am not Afro Latinx, but I know people who are Afro Latinx and the fucking anti Blackness that they've experienced from the Latinx community. So I just really loved how you basically brought it back to the Afro Latinx community and highlighting them. And And, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on here, because I feel like you have so many perspectives because you navigate so many like different worlds. Right. Like when people see you, you do look mixed, but you also look like an Afro-Latinx, no, like a Latinx person. That's what I see when I look at you. Um, So I just think that it's very important to like even that conversation of 
you know, because again, this conversation is so, there's so much to dissect in this conversation, right? Because Black people are literally so different. We're just so different. Um, and I think it's very important for us to have those conversations of the many facets of how different we are as Black people. Like for you, Rebecca, you navigate spaces that I wouldn't be able to navigate. They ain't gonna listen to me. When I talk about race, yo, people literally are like, she's crazy. What is she saying? Like people go off on me. People follow me like they come for me I've literally lost so many people because I talk about race and they're like why is she talking about that she's crazy she's all this but if it's after it's a if it's a you know in in your case you look white passing low-key like you do you know so it's like they would they'll listen to you compared to how they would listen to me um and and I think it's important to have those different conversations um but I'm this is Kumo speaking and I'm gonna go to Lila now Thank you for that. Um, and also just thank you for uh, opening this conversation um, about like, um, like who is considered Black and uh, how do you distinguish between, I guess, all the different kinds of Black. Um, and so I, I know I mentioned this earlier. Um, and I, I again, I'll say it again, like, I do think it's intentional. Um, I think it's intentional to be confused um, about this like about uh race versus um cultural experience um and the reason i think it's intentional is because it creates these fissures especially in the black diaspora uh where you have you know lighter skinned people or people that are closer to whiteness all albeit black um they're pedestalized you know um and it's not just oh you're you know they're uh considered better looking or socially acceptable but these identifying features and factors are then turned into tangible like monetary gain you know like you, because you are lighter skin and you have eurocentric features you make more money than a darker skin woman you have access to housing and you know i different dating options or a dating pool uh that might determine whether or not not only are you locked up or not but how long you're locked up for you know and so i think it's actually valid for some black people to be like i don't know i feel kind of you know strange about letting you into my community or into my space because i don't know if you are black you know even if you are passing i just my lived in black experience has resulted in xyz and so i'm kind of cautious and i pump the brakes in letting you into our community um i think because it's twitter that dialogue can you know just drive off a cliff quickly um in a way that is not helpful or productive and i think dom you touched on it However, I do understand where some people are coming from when they're like, I don't know, I, I don't know if I could be in community with you until I, I know a little bit more because, and that's kind of why I uh, alluded to the whole Danny Lay situation with yellow bone is what he want because you now have non-Black people who are Black adjacent in who they hang out with or are in community with benefiting and profiting from blackness that darker skinned black women could never have access to they don't have access to that kind of you know financial stability or that kind of popularity etc you're called ghetto you're called ratchet you're looked down upon it sometimes most of the time you could even be locked up so i do understand some people kind of you know pump the brakes on who they let into their community um i think it could take a complete nosedive 
you know, really quickly if it's not handled with care. But I also am very understanding of people who are like, yeah, I don't really know if, you know, I can rock with you like that because we don't have the same Black experience. And this is Lila. Um, I'm done talking. Thank you, Lila. Shanti? Yes. Um, yeah, Lila, I agree with that because I've definitely been in, like I said, in movement spaces where I'm like, I met one person who is now a friend, but I just thought that they were like Latina straight off. I was like, why is this person in this all black space? What the fuck going on here? Um, and then like somebody who was Afro-Latina was like, I mean, they said that they're black, so they're black. And I was like, this is what y'all going off of? Like, I was like, I was one of those people who was like, yo, like I need to see my parents, like I need to see something, right? And it's like, having more conversations with this person and understanding their experience and then them sharing about their parents later on, I was like, oh, okay. But it's like, it's not as simple as seeing somebody's features and seeing somebody's hair and drawing a conclusion. Because like I brought up in the comments, like we got Rachel Dolezal because of that, right? Like she had a big nose and she had different black hairstyles and she had a slight tan and niggas didn't look into her family. And then all of a sudden she's running the fucking NAACP. So mm. like, and this is a white woman like so it's like you know regardless of what she what good she may have done um for black folks she was still in black space in a black space and that's not okay um that being said back to what dom said as far as like light-skinned folks being um completely disregarded or like even discriminated against like what i thought of earlier was my mom's experience like even though she was extremely anti-black growing up and i'm just now like recognizing that thinking back to different experiences that happened like she was treated terribly by her darker skinned family because she was raised by people who were the descendants of slaves. Like not all African-Americans in America are descendants of slaves, but I am one. And so they thought because she was light-skinned, she automatically thought that she was better than everybody. And she and her sister, who was also light-skinned, were tormented. They were treated terribly. They were beaten. They were abused. So it's like, she got older and she realized like, I don't understand why everybody treated me this way just because of what I looked like, you know, and she felt bad. But then in turn, she then discriminated against darker skinned folks and was scared of them, yet still ended up having children by a dark skinned man. So it's like there are so many deep layers and levels to how colorism affects us. Um, it obviously it was like a psychological tool, but it, it resulted in like violence and um, a disconnection from us all being connected in these different ways and all of us having different experiences and like yeah Lila, like you said some of us have such different experiences like no I still don't want to rock with you but you know ultimately understanding that we need to see people as who they actually are like you know if it is proven you know this person is black we can't turn around and be like light-skinned people aren't black they're mixed what is the what that was the shit that happened when I was on YouTube under a comment like they were talking about the chick from fucking um uh, vampire diaries and um talking about how she was like lighter skin she's like mixed so she wasn't black and I was like what do you mean she's like I was like whatever race she's mixed with plus black equals black and they were like no that's not the case and I was like you know what I'm not even about to deal with this but it's like we yeah we really do need to have more positive conversations like what's happening now about expanding our ideas of that and also light skin people understanding their privilege because yeah, if somebody looks at you and they can't identify you as Black, then yeah, you're going to be able to move through spaces differently than somebody who is very obviously Black. And that's it. I'm Shantia. I'm done. Thank you, Shantia. 
Um, I did just want to do a, um, like a, a follow-up question for you, Rebecca. Um, so how do you, like, with you being, you know, racially ambiguous, how do you, like, what do you identify with? Do you identify more, like, what does that look like for you just on a day-to-day -day basis when you're navigating these spaces? Because you have so many identities. Um, you know, you can be you can be considered white passing and you can also be considered Afro-Latinx white passing. I don't know if that's a term, um, but like, how do you navigate those spaces? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, I probably would be considered like Afro Latinx white passing. I don't know. Again, like I really struggle with even like how to identify myself or I really what I do is like, one, I, it's like, I don't walk into a room and I'm just like, hey, just so you know, um, this is who my parents are. This is where they come from. This is what I am. A lot of times I'm just I'm very quiet in terms of like how I present myself until questions come up or like a conversation arises and then I'll make a comment and then usually that starts a conversation. So things like my last name being Denis, that was always like growing up, people would say Dennis, right? And I didn't really understand like my Haitian roots very well because my dad wasn't in communication with his father um till I was maybe like seven or eight and then my dad was like oh actually this is how we pronounce our last name or whatever and so you know just having the last name Denis then people are like oh like what is where does that last name come from and then that's when I'm like oh for my grand that's like you know from my Haitian grandfather that's my last name it's French blah 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 and so then that kind of opens up these conversations um and I don't know I think like my mom was always so good about wanting us to be like proud of where we came from too. Like when we were watching the video with the little girl and her hairdresser, like it made me like tear up because I thought of my sister and what it must have felt like for her growing up in a family where often like in my, we grew up in Arizona and really my mom's side is the only, the only side here um, that like that's the majority of the family we grew up with. Um, and so she was usually the darkest person like in those spaces. And but my mom was always so good about, you know, like validating her beauty and like never treating her differently, like very much making it a point like you being darker is just genetics. Like the like, look at all my kids. They're all different colors. Like that's just because you have a mixed background. But my mom was also so intentional about making sure my sister knew that like being darker and being black was okay. Like she bought her black baby dolls, right? So that my sister could like see herself and the toys that she was playing with and things like that. And I think about now, like this was the nineties and I don't even know if my mom had an awareness of like so many parents probably, you know, so many parents maybe weren't even in the position my mom was and that she popped out all these kids that looked very different than her. Like we don't look like our mom. We look like our dad. Like we look like our dad's side. We look like our mm -hmm. Caribbean, our black side. Even me as light as I am, I don't look shit like my mom. I don't look like my mom's side. I got this light skin, like my grandma is Mexican, but she's super, super fair. Like she's a white, she's the definition of a white passing Latinx person. Um, and I always joke, I'm like, I got her skin randomly, whatever. I always joke, I didn't get any of the melanin in my family. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's like a constant thing for me where I'm also just very outspoken. Like when you were like, I don't feel like I can talk about race. I'm like, I'm always talking about race. Like I'm always talking about like colorism. I'm out, um, you know, usually um, up until recently, cause I had deactivated my Instagram. I was like always talking about shit because I felt like people would kind of listen to me because I was coming from this like really interesting perspective of coming from this family that's mixed and we all look different and whatever and how and so I'm just like loud and I'm out here and I've been calling out Latinx bullshit since I was a kid like I would have friends that would be like oh I can't go out in the sun like I'm gonna get darker and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about like why does that bother you right like and I understand that I, that's a privilege for me to even be like, why is that a worry for you? Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm not worried about getting darker. Cause at my darkest, I'm still very light. Right. But for me, it was more like, you're beautiful and you're amazing. And why are you worried about your beautiful skin? Like that was always where I was really like, it made me sad that like friends and family would say things like that. But then also I understood why, cause then I'd be like, in a in a space with a bunch of Latinx kids growing up and they would say some shit about black people or they would say some shit about someone being darker and I'd be like what the fuck did you just say like that's racist like that's fucked up and then you know people would be like oh well I'm brown I can't be racist so like I've been having these conversations my whole life and I I'm so grateful that I come from the unique experience that I do and I, and I try to use like whatever privilege I have consistently to like challenge people and how they think about things like, um, but especially, I don't know. I don't know if it's cause I'm super protective of my siblings, but like, I just think about them all the time when I think about like, like just in relation to how we've moved through the world and how I know that there's weird fucked up shit they've had to experience that someone would never say or do or be towards me. And then I'm always like, oh, that's that fucked up anti-black shit. That's that fucked up racist. That's that's because you're darker than me. That's why they said that to you. Like that, that would have never been said to me. That's never been said to me type of an experience. So I don't know if that answers your question. Again, I'm sorry. I feel like I rambled. No, no, you're good. That that answers the question. Thank you, Rebecca. Lila, and then we're going to go ahead and move on to the next part. So go ahead, Lila. I know you're good. Um, I, I believe Dom posed a question to Rebecca. Um, they said, do you, Rebecca, do you think it's harmful to still call Raquel dark because she's lighter than me, me being Dom? Who's Raquel? Yeah. Oh, Raquel, that's your sister? My sister. So when I'm talking about my sister being darker, I'm talking about in relation to myself and our family. So I guess I would just clarify that I probably wouldn't consider like her a dark-skinned Black person, no. But in terms of our family, like when I'm saying like she's much darker than I am, like I'm mostly speaking in relation to my mom's family that we grew up with and like myself not so much in the experience of all black people. And thank you for that question. Cause I think that is a really good question. And I, and I'm not going to speak for my sister and how she like views herself in the world of black people, but I would think that she probably like, she's aware that she's not on the darker end of the spectrum. Okay. Thank you for that, Rebecca. Uh, Dom, you were going to say something. Go ahead. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to just pop in like that. No, you're okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that with me, um, Rebecca. It is also nice to meet you. I've met both of your sisters, but I, I didn't even realize that you were even, you know. Um, <laughs> I When I ask that question, I guess, I don't really mean in relation to Black identity. I just mean in general. Because we, as we, as we are having this conversation, we, we are um, acknowledging our harmful ways. And I feel like, I feel like if we continue to call Raquel darker, because yes, compared to your family, she would be darker than you. But I, when you hear dark, you're thinking of me, you're thinking of Kumo, you're thinking of Layla or Lila, you're thinking of them, like, you know, you're not thinking of Raquel or at least I'm not thinking of Raquel. So I guess, let me reword that. I'm not thinking of Raquel. I'm, I'm thinking of like me and darker people. So when I hear dark, that's what I'm hearing. And I, I do notice that that is a, a reoccurring thing that happens in other, um, in other uh, cultures, especially in the Latinx culture, is you guys' relation to your whiteness and how your culture was whitewashed at one point. So everybody wants to continue that, um, closeness to whiteness and disregard their darker darker skinned um you know folks so yeah i just wanted to clarify that so thank you <laughs> sorry if that came off weird oh no 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 this is a conversation y'all so thank you um i do want to ask if uh this question um have you ever felt ugly for being dark skinned or brown skinned i will go on this one um i have I, um, I actually, you know, growing up, I, you know, growing up in Arizona, it's very anti-Black, you know, and I have very strong non-Eurocentric features. I just do. Um, I literally would look at myself in the mirror and I would cry as a teenager. I hated how I looked. I hated um, my voice, how I sounded. I just, I just hated it all. Um, and I grew up around um, African women that I admired who upheld white supremacy. Um, my aunt, she dated all white men. Um, and I, she was one of my biggest influencers. You know, I, I, I wanted to be like her. You know, I wanted to be like her. I'm like, I want to be like that aunt. Like she was my favorite aunt. Um, and she has mixed babies. And I wanted to have mixed babies at one point. Um, and as a, as a, uh, when I was 24 years old, I worked for a hospital and I'll never forget when this white woman was having a conversation with the light skinned woman. And she was saying how mixed babies come out better. They come, they come. So I'm listening to this and I'm like, Whoa, shit. Like that's fucked up. So I'm listening to this and I'm like, Oh, so they really think we're ugly. Like they really think that people that look like me, um, are ugly. Um, so I, I used to think I was ugly. I used to feel like I wasn't pretty. And I still struggle with that sometimes. The, the inner child in me still struggles with that. That's why this video of this Ariana, it made me cry. Like I was, when I was creating this PowerPoint, I literally cried yesterday because I still see myself in that little girl. You know, I wish I had someone like her, her hairstylist telling me, you're beautiful, you're all these things. I, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have someone telling me you're beautiful. You're, you're an amazing person, you know, all these things that you're going to grow up to be all these things. I didn't have that. Uh, so yes, I definitely used to feel that I was ugly. I definitely used to feel like I wasn't enough. 
um, and even dating in Arizona, going on these fucking apps, all I would see was white men. Um, and I even upheld white supremacy. I'm going to be honest. At one point, I was like, I literally dated only white men because that was the only thing that I felt was good for me. Um, and, and last year, I had to come to the realization like, yo, come on, you're upholding white supremacy, right? So that what we're doing here is unlearning and unpacking. You can't move forward if you're not unlearning shit that you've been taught. And for me, I look at my aunt, who was one of my biggest influencers, all she dated was white men. All she married was white men. So I was like, oh, this is the only thing for me. It's white men because men that look like me, they call me names, names like, hey, chocolate. And then when I tell them, don't call me that, they go, I can call you whatever I want. So um, I think it was very, it was like, damn, like, where do I fit? Like, I, I feel like I'm not pretty enough. I have a gap. Like, that's something that I struggle with some days. Some days I like it. Some days I don't like it. But, you know, it's like th there are these things where you start to look at yourself like, damn, like, is there something wrong with me? You know, so I definitely can relate to this little girl. And I think that's why Beyonce, you know, most people give her lots of back backlash. But I love Beyonce for creating brown skin girls, because when I first heard that song, I remember getting ready for work and I paused the song and I go, wait, she's talking to brown skin women. I literally started crying because I felt like, wow, she's really talking to us. Like I've met like this light skinned woman who understands her privilege, right? She understands like, hey, these other women don't have it the way that I have it. And she has a brown skinned daughter, blue. Lots of people have come for blue because of her hair in the black community. Black women have attacked blue because of her hair, because her hair is more coarse, her, her hair is more nappy. She doesn't look like Beyonce. So it's like, oh, your daughter is ugly. So they're telling blue, blue is a little girl. She's a fucking blue little black girl. And you are attacking her because of her features. So I remember listening to brown skinned girls and literally crying and being like, yo, like, I feel so seen because she's talking to people that look like me and Beyonce intentionally made that song for brown skinned women. A lot of light skinned women like to be like, no, that was for us. No, it's not for you. It's not for you. Why would Beyonce make a song in 2019 assigned to us, for us? You see what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm still like nurturing that, that little girl in me right? As a kid, I got made fun of, like, I'm still nurturing her. So I definitely did feel skin, uh, ugly for being brown skin and dark um, brown skin. I, I definitely did feel ugly. So that's my response to that question. And that was Kumo, and I am done speaking. All right, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next prompt. Oh, my bad. Ooh, <laughs> how many of you have ever seen Carol White? Who's ever seen this? <laughs> Lila got raised their her hand because we come from that community. Yes, so Carol Light White, I should say, is a skin bleaching cream that a lot of African people use. Um, and in the Southeast Asian community, they use this as well. Um, where you brighten your skin, where you lighten your skin. Um, and it, it was such a problem that in Ghana, they actually banned skin, skin bleaching because it was such an issue. So lots of women, darker skin women, brown skin women, 
We're literally bleaching their skins to look lighter because light is acceptable. This is how big of a problem that colorism is. Um, so I wanna ask my dark skin slash brown skin folks, have you ever used skin bleaching to lighten your skin? Lila, I will start with you. Um, this is Lila speaking. Thank you, Kumu. I literally just typed in the chat um, that I have a, a relative who literally has that same tub of lotion in her bathroom. Um, and it's so sad because um, she has a dark skin son. All her sons are darker skinned, actually. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you know, bleach skin bleaching is so pervasive, not only just within the Black uh, American community, but especially in like the Black African, Black Caribbean communities, like skin bleaching is like, you know, no one thinks about it. It's like, yeah, of course. Like if you ask any like, you know, Black child of immigrants, if they've seen these kind of lotions, they could probably name five because we've all seen them, like, if not in our mom or our dad's room, it's in an auntie's house, a grandma's house, an uncle's house, even, like, it's so pervasive, and it's so sad, um, and I guess kind of tying into the previous question about, uh, you know, like, have you ever been, have, have you ever felt ugly in your skin, and the only time I think I've well, not the only time, but the most significant time I could think of that is, you know, meeting, uh, I'm not going to say who, but meeting a relative for the first time because they live in a different country. And, you know, as they're unpacking all the different gifts that they've brought for all the kids in the family, um, the one thing that they gave all the girls in the family was this lotion. Cold, dark skin, light skin, medium tongues, pumping braids, got mini afros, thick lips, got hips, some of us don't, big nose contours, some of us won't, never wanna put us in the media, bro, wanna fat booty like Kardashians, wanna fat booty like my auntie got a yo, wheel up the blood clot, tell her reload it, I've got the camera, my girls are posing, I need some backup, then my ones are rolling, grown women things I'm never at. Um, as like, oh yeah, I brought this, this is a gift for you, you could use it, you could need it, and I think that's when I first felt like, oh, she's not even excited to like see me and get to know me or talk to me. The first thing she sees is I'm darker than my cousin. And so because of that, this is something that I'm supposed to be happy about or like I'm supposed to use. And, you know, possibly if I use this thing that, you know, she'll look at me different or treat me better, et cetera. And so I think for a lot of, especially like Black uh, African immigrant women we all have that experience where it's like pushed on us to bleach your skin um and unfortunately when you kind of uh you know you're you you're, you realize that it's wrong you're seen as like the bad guy like you're seen as like why wouldn't you want to use this like what's wrong with you like your skin's gonna go bad and and these are things i've been told by the way um is you know your skin's gonna go dark and this makes your skin lighter like why wouldn't you want to look like that you know and so it's sad because you realize how uh, deeply rooted it is for a lot of people in your family and in our community um, and you realize, unfortunately, in my case, I guess my own value was rooted in the fact that, you know, I wasn't as light as my cousin, um, rooted in the fact that every time I see this relative who would come to visit us, that the first thing they make a comment on is my skin tone and how dark I was. Um, and so for me, I guess the way that I combat, the way that I had that, uh, had to kind of unlearn that 
was thankfully through like my mom. Um, my mom has always been very affirming of me. And because of that, I knew that I wasn't the issue. Um, my relative was the issue. And my mom did a great job of always telling me like, your skin is beautiful. You know, if even now in my older age, like she'll make comments like, what lotion are you using? Your skin is glowing. Your face looks amazing. I love how, you know, rich your skin looks. So different things like that. And that's why I think it's so important, especially to have those conversations start at home, because when you start at home, you're equipped with the tools to understand, not only unlearn, but understand that it's not me, it's them. And um, yeah, that's, those are my two cents on that. Lila signing off. Thank you so much, Lila, for speaking um, and, and sharing that. And I've actually used this before. Um, my aunt, the one that I said was one of my biggest influences, she would buy this. And once I realized that, oh, it was actually making me, trying to make me lighter, I was like, damn, that's fucked up, you know? But I don't think my aunt knew that that's what she was doing because she was conditioned that lighter is better. Um, so yeah, I definitely have used Carol White. Um, and I remember seeing one of my high school friends that I went to high school with, and she was way darker than me, like way darker than me. And I remember her like, like after high school, like me meeting, like at a bus stop, like she was at a bus stop at my college and she called my name and she's like, cause some people call me Mo. <laughs> Shout out to the real ones who know me. <laughs> um, but there's people who call me Mo and she goes, Mo. And I was like, wait, what? And this girl's like talking to me. And y'all, I literally didn't recognize her. And you in the middle of the conversation, I go, Alice, like, oh, I said her name. I said, oh, Alice, like, wow, she bleached her skin. She looked very different. And it, it's so sad because it's really an issue. You know, it's really an issue. Even light-skinned women do it too, right? Like to, to stay, it's considered more beautiful. Um, and, and I know I have a lot of other, cause this podcast is listened to all across the country, all across the world, like a lot of different country, uh, countries listen to this podcast. And my focus is to really just touch more into the black immigrant community, because this is an issue in the black immigrant community. Um, so yeah, skin bleaching, I have not touched it since I learned how it affects me and how it's anti-black as fuck, um, by me using it. So I don't use it anymore. Um, I just let my skin do what it needs to do. Sometimes, you know, I'll put some alcohol in it to, to kill them pimples. But um, nonetheless, like I don't, I don't use it anymore. I just don't use it. Um, let me see. I want to make sure before I get to you, Lila, that if there's anybody else who wants to add anything, um, I get to them. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Lila. Um, so just to add on to your point, Kumo. I believe it's all, I, I do think it's definitely to the point where it's, you're now sacrificing your own health uh, for whiteness um, because a lot of these products have hydroquinone, which is, or so, sometimes even mercury or just other chemicals that should not be applied to the skin, right? Um, you don't know what labs they're made in. It's obviously, you know, not FDA regulated, um, if regulated at all. And so you see, and if you know what skin bleaching does to your skin or you have an auntie or uncle that uses it or parent, you know, like the way the skin starts to look, it has like mm -hmm. this weird gray tint sometimes, or, you know, certain parts of the body will be lighter than other parts. And, 
you know, unfortunately, if you've grown up around that, you can tell who is bleaching their skin and who's not. Um, and so, again, it kind of just reinforces just how dangerous um, anti-Blackness is because you have women who are, well, predominantly women who put these products on their skin and risk their health, you know, um, they risk not only just like their physical health, but also their mental health for, you know, bleaching your skin to want to look similar to, or just even gain like the smallest bit of proximity to whiteness. And meanwhile, you're destroying your skin and, you know, they don't seem to care. And I, I speak the, I speak about this from a personal experience of like having relatives who use this stuff and like they don't care like they don't care if you tell them like auntie stop using that look at your skin like don't you care about that oh no it's fine like it's fine as long as I apply it every day night and morning it's fine like what what do you know like you're so young what do you know mm-hmm. um and so for them it's like out of sight out of mind it's it's really sad to see but um yeah, I've seen this product along with like hundreds of other ones, unfortunately. Ambi. Yeah, Ambi Frayed Cream, that's supposed to be for dark spots, but use it all over. Yeah, the whole nine. It's it's really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Thank you, Lila. Shantia? Yes, um, thank y'all for sharing those experiences because that is just wild. And then like Kumo in relation to that aunt that you like, grew up and really loved and watched and like admired just to know that like you love I feel like a lot of the times too just in general we grow up loving these black women who hate themselves and are so anti-black and we don't recognize it because we're just like well they're strong and they're beautiful and they're amazing like so whatever they're doing must be right for me and then you grow up and then you realize like damn no it was not that at all but like you said it's it's systemic like it's ingrained in her to believe that lighter skin is better so she she really thought that she was doing the right thing to whatever case but I haven't experienced this cream I was more so responding to a comment that Dom left because this is something that I um, grew up dealing with like I shaved a lot I've always been a hella hairy person and I used to be so upset about it because you know if you grow up femme you grow up a woman you're not supposed to be hairy we're supposed to be hairless we're supposed to be immaculate so I would shave a lot and my armpits got really dark and my mom would always like talk shit about them like you need to do something about this you need to stop shaving so much blah 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 it's gonna make you ugly and she went so far to like find recipes like one day she called me in her room and she was so excited and she was like look look what I found on the internet I found this like recipe that you could use like to lighten your armpits it was like turmeric and like lemons or some shit like that. And then I think a few weeks ago, I don't know why, but I was looking up something and it was like, oh yeah, turmeric can help to like bleach your skin or make your skin lighter. And I was like, wow, like she was really trying to bleach this one part of my body that people don't even really see. But even if they did, like who the fuck cares? And I was so insecure about having dark armpits growing up that I would literally not want to wear. I also have like broad shoulders. So I would like never want to wear like tank tops or anything that would be showing my armpits or my shoulders because I was like well this is too masculine and this is too dark so yeah that's all that's all this is Shantia I'm done thank you Shantia for sharing Ooh, I'm bad. um thank y'all I know a lot of uh, this again like I said there's so much to dissect in terms of colorism like I feel like there's so much more stuff that I don't even know about but this is all that I know for now 
Um, and I am going to go ahead and move on to the next slide. We're almost done, y'all. Um, so this is Naime Thomas. Naime Thomas was supposed to be here, but unfortunately she wasn't able to make it. Um, and this video that we're gonna be watching is a poem that she wrote um, in regards. So Naime is mixed race. She is um, Afro-Latinx. Um, so she's mixed with black and I believe Mexican. Um, and her partner recorded this video. So his name is Jazz Gold. So I did tell her that I would shout him out um, for recording this poem that she wrote. Um, and it's called Light Fetish. So we're gonna tap into this and we're almost done y'all. So thank you so much for tapping and bearing in, I mean, bearing with me. So thank you. I don't wanna be your fetish, not before. Not now, not ever. I am not the girl of your dreams. You have a misplaced idea of who I am and who I am becoming. I am not the standard to which you compare yourself to. Honey, you're following the wrong people if you do. My black girl magic and Latin spice is not for you to play with, fantasize over or try to duplicate. Baby, I'm too hot for you. Reimagine the world that you're living in. I am not to be replicated. There was once a young Latina woman who asked me, what are you? I winced as I corrected her. My ethnicity is black and Mexican. She looked me dead in my eyes, with a smile on her face and said that she hopes to have children who look like me. She knew no better, so I set her straight. I asked her, what if she doesn't look like me? Was she ready to take on all that will bring? The cries when kids make fun of her hair, the identity issues because she's not enough, because she's become a commodity, an idol. Are you willing to rally with her when her black life is at risk or will you crumble and tell her she's not black? No, you cannot tell me you want to have babies that look like me. Yo, that's weird. No, you cannot fantasize what it's like to have babies with me. Yo, that's weird. I'm not here to fit into your idea of me, the box you've placed me in. No, you cannot touch my hair. No, you cannot ask me what I am. No, you cannot tell me what my ethnicities are because of what I may look like to you. No, you cannot hit on me because you say I'm mixed, light skin, yellow, or red bone. No, you cannot call me your one black friend. No, you cannot keep questioning my being. I don't wanna be your fetish. I will never be your fetish. I am not your fetish. Not before, not now, not at Snaps to Naime. Wow, yes. great. How'd y'all feel about that? That was great. Yeah, Naime is an amazing poet. Uh, yeah, she, she's one of the people who has empowered my Blackness on so many levels. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what did you think about that, Rebecca, since you are someone who is racially ambiguous? I mean, yeah, I feel like I've gotten similar comments of people like, I've heard so much growing up, like, I want mixed kids or like what, what's biracial angel or something I used to hear all the time, like from people and friends around me, like they'd be like, oh, that's just a little biracial angel. And I'm like, that's so fucking weird that people were talking like that. 
back, like, I'm sure people still talk like that. Like, you know, back then, I think I'm thinking of like, I was like probably in junior high when people would say this type of shit, right? And it would be black girls, it would be Mexican girls, like it would be all kinds of, I'm like gonna speak, I guess, from like the femme girl perspective of like growing up um, like with young like women at the time. But um, but yeah, I know I'm sure like I feel like I have for sure been fetishized for being light skinned, but then having features that aren't necessarily like go along with that um but I feel like I always have my guard up with shit like that and so I like I'll call it out and then I like move on and I'm just like that's fucking weird that you said that um I'm very just in the moment like I don't know how to hide my reactions very well so I'm always like that was fucking weird and like and then <laughs> you know if people want to engage me I'm like we'll try and break down why I'm I don't like whatever comment that was or like make it clear that I think that that's a weird thing to say um but also too like if it's a stranger protect my energy and be like you know what I'm not the one to sit here and spend all my time like trying to break down how you see the world like I hope whatever I said made you think twice um but yeah I don't know like I'm that's for sure a thing and that's all I can really say about that yeah and even with uh brown skinned women and darker skinned women they also are you know black women especially if you're darker you're just over sexualized um have any of you on this panel felt that way like you're over sexualized because you are considered you know if you're darker or brown you're more like there's this like oh black women have big booties they got they're good in bed like have any of you ever felt like that shanti i'm gonna go with you you raise your hand real quick with the quick i did honestly because i was like i haven't felt fetishized so i wasn't gonna talk but as soon as you talk about sexualization i'm like right here um i mean like i because i've been sexualized so much of my life like i grew up um in a household where my mother was very much constantly focused on our bodies and i think when people because a lot of you know black femmes and like growing up as a black girl we go through that and i don't think that we're able to name it um as pedophilia which it is like any adult person that is focused on children in that way is a fucking pedophile so it, it wasn't until recently that i was able to navigate it and put language to that but I was constantly sexualized by family members. And then I just remember being in like, it had to be like third grade and like boys going around and like joking and laughing about me having DSLs. I'm being like, what the fuck is a DSL? Like, what does that mean? What are y'all saying? And they were saying that I had dick sucking lips because I had big lips. And I was like, that wasn't something that they were saying to any of the non-black girls <laughs> at all. That wasn't even something that they were saying to some of the other black girls who may not have had bigger lips or more ethnic features or whatever. So it was like something that I struggled with, something that especially once I hit puberty and like, you know, my body started developing more. It was constant. It was constant. I not until recently have felt where I've been in interactions with people and they genuinely loved me and cared for me because of who I am and not just because of my fucking body. Mm. That's it. That's all I have to say. Thanks for sharing that, Shantia. Um, Lila, you want to go ahead? Um, yes, this is Lila. Uh, yes, I also have definitely been sexualized. Um, and I guess in a way, slightly fetishized, um, because though I think 
that lighter skin people can be fetishized for their light skin. I have personally, and I've even heard from friends who are darker than me, um, talk about how they've been uh, fetishized for being darker skinned. Um, and, uh, and typically that's been by non-Black people who fetishize them for their darker skin. So for me personally, um, I guess the way I think about it is recently I've been trying to think of, I've been thinking about the ways that um, I've been consuming media that uh, is created by or centers um, like brown skin or darker skin black women. And the main example I have in my head is I guess like Meg Thee Stallion, because I was thinking about how is someone like a Meg Thee Stallion or the city girls who are, you know, brown skin, how do they have the platform that they have and how are people like really vibing to their music that way because I love Jungle Pussy. Um, and that's a dark skin black woman. And a lot of people don't fuck with her music like that unless it's like other black women. And I love No Name. And that's another brown skin, darker skin woman. woman. And again, the only people that I know that fuck with No Name are people in my community, which is black women or black non-binary folk. Um, and so I think about that and I'm like, how is one of these, you know, how are they, what's going on there? Like, what is the 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 fork in the road when you think about all these different people and I I watched uh I think it was a video by Kim Kim Foster for Harriet and she talks about how Megan the Stallion has a voluptuous body right like she is very very good good to look at because she has the bigger boobs the big butt and the tiny waist and so a lot of people are able to consume that and be like oh yeah, she might be brown skin, but because she has this body that is, you know, currently on trend, right? Even though black women have had that body type for years and years, but because that's currently on trend and it's, although it's in a darker skin or brown skin uh, uh, woman's body, because she has that shape and because she's considered desirable because of that, um, a lot of people flock to her in a way that they do not flock to a uh, no name or a jungle pussy. And that's not to put blame on any of those people. Um, if anything, I guess I say this to add context for whoever is listening to show how for some brown skin women or for some darker skin black women, they get that kind of attention for other reasons that are rooted in them being sexualized in that way. And again, that's not to say that all the people I named are not good looking, but because Megan, for this example specifically, has those features, a lot of people are like, oh shit, like that's what's in right now. So I'm going to gravitate to her minus, you know, her being just good at her skill because she has this vol voluptuous body and the big boobs and the big butt and the tiny waist and the long hair, you know, uh, enter city girls, right? Same thing, long hair, big boobs, big butt. They might be brown skin, but because they have that desirable uh, characteristic or I, uh, what do you call it, body type, um, I think that's why they get hype that a no name doesn't get. Mm -hmm. It's more like it's marketable. There's like yes. this, because this, that's something my mentor told me, like things are marketable. Like if you're pretty, right? If you're like pretty, more people will come to your, to your account. Like if you are, there's certain things that sell, like sex does sell body, body the way your body looks, it does sell. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's such a good point, Lila, um, which is one of the reasons why I had you on here. <laughs> Lila is such an intelligent, like 
black woman like I just want to give you your flowers Lila like you're so fucking intelligent like everything that you say everything that you do I'm just like yo Lila just dropped some gems so just want to give you that real quick thank you so much for that Kumo um as a cancer son I literally get so I go back into my shell when I get compliments so I'm very flustered because of that but I sincerely appreciate that um and I echo that sentiment to everyone who's here because I appreciate the conversations that have been going on. Um, and so I, as much as I, you're inspired by me, I'm inspired by you and everyone else here. So thank you for that. Thank you. Anybody else have anything to add to that fetish section? No? All right. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next part. And I'll go ahead and check the chats in a little bit. Um, let's see. Here's the lovely Zendaya. Shout out to Zendaya. Zendaya is one of my favorite actresses slash just artists. I love Zendaya. Um, and this is a question to, you know, since we only have Rebecca on here on this panel, who is would be considered white passing or, light, you know, lighter skin. Um, the question is, you as a light skin person slash white passing people, uh, how will you use your light skin privilege to center dark skin and brown skin people? Um, and before you answer that question, Rebecca, I do just want to read what Zendaya said. So Zendaya is one of the most vocal actresses and artists of our time in this generation. She recognizes her privilege. Um, and on multiple, multiple occasions, she's like centered dark skinned people and brown skinned people. And one of the things that she said is that she feels a responsibility to be a voice for the beautiful shades of, of my people come, wait, I feel a responsibility to be a voice for the beautiful shades my people come in. Unfortunately, I have a bit of a privilege compared to my darker sisters and brothers. She said, can I honestly say that I've had to face uh, the same racism and struggles as a woman with darker skin? No, I cannot. I have not walked in her shoes and that is unfair of me to say, but I'm completely behind that woman. I want to be part of the movement and growth. And if I get put in a position because of the color of my skin where people will listen to me, then I should use that privilege the right way, Zendaya. Um, so for you, Rebecca, as someone who is racially ambiguous, um, what, and you're already doing this because that's what led me to you. Um, how are you going to continue to center dark skinned people slash brown skinned people who don't have the same um, advantage, uh, advantages that you do and the same privileges that you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, what you just read, I feel like is very much encompasses how I like try to move through the world, like the quote by Zendaya. But I think like more than anything is I like consistent, I'm like a very hyper self-aware person and I'm constantly, um, I don't know if the word is like overanalyzing every single thing that I do, um, but, uh, but like checking myself constantly, like even Dom in this space, them asking me why I was using the word darker. I like, I didn't have an answer, but I'm already thinking through like, what, what, like, where does that language come from? Right. And, and like, how could I have said what I have said in this podcast previously when speaking about people that are a little bit more melanated than me? Like, how can I talk about how can I talk about like colorism in a way where I'm not also maybe like upholding language that is like 
white supremacist, right? Or that is anti-Black, even though that was not my intention at all throughout this, like that throughout any of the language I've used in this space, right? But even in, in, in them raising that question, I could have been like, whatever. But instead, this whole time since they asked that, I've been like, oh, wow, uh, I really want to think about this. Like, I've been really, like, it really did get my wheels turning of no one's really ever, like, checked me like that, not, like, not checked me in that specific sense to that, like, that was a very specific question of, like, why are you using that language? And so I'm like, oh, thank, like, thank you for that. I don't know why I'm using that language, but I'm going to think about it, and I'm going to think about what different language I can use, right? And so I think for me, it's like, even in the beginning, I was pretty quiet because I felt like it wasn't my place to maybe speak, right? And I feel like unless we were talking about something throughout this podcast that had to do with the, the idea of being lighter skinned and what that privilege looks like, um, I was like, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just here to listen, right? I'm just here to offer what I can if it's appropriate, but not take up space like from the other people on here who, like you said, like, I feel so privileged and grateful that you invited me into this. Um, I feel so honored to these people that have are sharing space with me, right? And like allowing me to also give my perspective. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I think it's just constantly checking yourself, constantly checking other people. And I'm not afraid to call out people. And I'm not afraid to say when I have fucked up. Like, I think as a light skinned person, you have to be like, damn, that was fucked up, right? That was anti-Black. Um, and like, even thinking throughout my life, I'm like, wow, what actions have I done unconsciously so that I can consciously not do those things in the future? So that's kind of, I'm just always in my head about everything. I guess that's the question, but yeah. Oh, and I always just want the women in my life or not even women, just like any person in my life um, who is a, a woman, is a person of color. Um, like just, I just want to validate who they are, right? And I want them to know that they are enough and that they are beautiful. Doesn't matter like, male, female, queer, non-binary, whatever, like what, whoever they are and however they identify and whatever background they come from, but especially people in my life who, you know, come from like marginalized communities and have had to deal with racism. Like I always just want to let them know that they're badass and beautiful and like give them affirmation, right? Because they they don't get to hear that enough in a world that is constantly doing everything to break them down. So I'll end with that. Wow, thank you. Oh my God, um, I'm literally about to cry. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is because I'm drunk or whatever. I'm a little tipsy, but it's all good. Um, the reason why is because you know, we don't really have these conversations, you know, and as as um, brown skinned women and as dark skinned women, we're taught that um, having these conversations is a stigma that we're jealous or we wish we were, you know, light skinned or any of this weird ass shit. And it's like, honestly, I am so grateful for you all coming on this space um, and sharing your stories and sharing your truths. Um, just because, like, I know that this is healing. I know that this is healing for our community and that it's needed. Um, so thank you so much for trusting me, for 
um, even answering the uncomfortable conversations and being part of this conversation because this is how we move forward. Um, I, I believe that we need light-skinned folks. We need um, the people who have more privilege. We need them because they're part of this community. Um, and you know, I hope that people who are listening today that you feel seen. Um, the 40-year-olds, Black women who are dark-skinned, who have been told you are being too Black or you're being too whatever, like, I really do hope that you feel seen. I really, really do. Um, that was the intent of this conversation. That was the purpose of this conversation because I know that there are so many people who are still dealing with that trauma in the Black community um, of anti-Blackness and being told that they were not enough. I know that, you know? So... I recognize the privilege that I do have in this space and in my podcast. And I am so grateful to God that I have this opportunity to control the narrative. I truly am. Um, yeah, I'm damn, I did not expect that, but whatever. Um, and I just do want to ask you all um, to the to anybody if you have any remarks that you want to say to anybody who's listening who is brown skin who is dark skin and they feel like damn like I hate my skin color I'm not good enough I'm not pretty enough I'm not this I'm not that like what do you all have to say to anybody out there who's listening right now and they hate their black skin and they're constantly being told they're not good enough like what do you have to say to those people um and Dom I'm gonna go ahead and start with you if you hit your skin right now where you are, you're not in the right place because there are tribes and countries far from here that will literally bow down to you and, and be in your presence and grace and cry and sing and chant and, and, and literally, literally celebrate you and your beauty. So that, that's something to think about. Where we are right now, it's on purpose. It's literally, it's literally on purpose for you to hate yourself, to hate the skin that you're in. We're literally in America. <laughs> Shit don't exist. So take yourself out for a moment and just recognize, look at, look, look at yourself in the mirror. Think about the things that you actually love. And if you need to like step outside of yourself for a moment and be like, okay, I don't like this right now, but here's what I do like. And then literally just put that cover back on. Hey, boom you're still beautiful because at the end of the day we are connected to our skin color but I feel honestly like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you can change you can change any and everything about you but at the end of the day you are you <laughs> and that's what you need to focus on being you and, and loving yourself and not holding on to Americanized ideals of beauty and the standard and all that stuff because you also have to remember that you are the blueprint they want to look like you. <laughs> they literally want to replicate everything about you. And this is something that's been going on. You have many examples about that. So just focus on you and your beauty and you got this. Like, it's, it's that simple. Thank you so much, Dom, for that. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and go to Shantia. Hello. So I think that I love music. Um, music definitely has helped to heal me. First of all, Kumo, like, thank you so much for this space. You start crying. I start crying. I'm like, damn, bro. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, like having these conversations and then just thinking about how all of us were raised in such different 
different experiences and then being able to all be here in this space sharing about those experiences from a place of love and understanding with each other like child Shantia could never have imagined um so I love music my oh yes a seat at the table 100,000 percent let's talk about it do nothing without intention um but I'm gonna say uh even if whether you're young or old this song is like very relevant it's called Young Gifted and Black and there's a version by Aretha Franklin that is just amazing, immaculate, 10 out of 10. And it really is something that like helped to uplift me very, very much and understand. And like, like Dom said, we're the blueprint. And yes, we are spirits inside of these bodies, but the ancestry that we have in our blood is powerful. Like our spirits are more powerful than those who are not of African ancestry. And that shit is for a reason. Um, so we were all built for greatness. And I think again, like that's how the system was designed to make us think the opposite. I even saw something on TikTok where like the old map was actually turned upside down, which is like a whole nother thing that I won't get into right now because we about to leave. But, um, <laughs> you know, like white people have literally flipped shit on its head to how it was supposed to be. So just owning that and like if you have to look in the mirror and look at one thing about yourself that you can tell yourself that you love every day like you have to start there like start there because that was something that I had to do like like Kumo I used to look at this in the mirror and hate myself I avoided mirrors for a long time so it was like getting back into a, a space where you could just pick one thing and one tiny thing you don't even have to say you love it just say I like this or I don't hate this today um and start there. But that song is also a really good way to start. Um, listen to it as often as you can. There are also some other song requests, but I'll let folks share that in a second. Um, and again, thank you so much, Kumo. Thank you. Thank you for speaking, Shantia. Anybody else? I can go next. Um, so I just wanted to say, uh, I guess, kind of so slightly winding back the conversation. Uh, regarding like being light skin and recognizing your privilege. If you are light skin and you're listening to this, um, always recognize your privilege. Um, you have so much privilege and you could use that not only to uplift, um, but to deconstruct the ideas um, and the deeply rooted, toxic, destructive uh, rhetoric around colorism. Um, if someone says, oh, I like you because of your light skin, don't lean into that. Like, first of all, run the other way. And second of all, don't perpetuate that. Um, it does nothing for you. It will not make you put you at a higher place than other black women. I think kind of back to the Danny Lay example, if anything, it will hurt you and it will hurt other people. Um, so if you're light skin, use that privilege. Um, second thing I wanted to say is kind of, uh, reiterating what everyone else has been saying, Kumo, thank you. Um, I wanna give you your flowers because you have created, I think just listening to your podcast from the first moment that Chris recommended you to now, like you've created such an amazing, intentional, beautiful space that is not only safe, but just unapologetically black. It's not easy talking about a lot of these things, especially with someone of your identity and your lived in experience. Um, I think as a brown skinned woman, as a dark skinned woman talking about race is not only, uh, can not only put you in a uh, predicament where your life is in danger, but it's also, um, harder and it weighs on you. And so the fact that you're willing to do this work, take breaks, um, but just know you have a community of people that love and support you and value you, but also you've created this community. So 
shout out to you for that. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say was if you are a dark skin or brown skin girl who's listening to this and you're feeling or person that's listening to this and you feel like, you know, you're not pretty enough, uh, just know you are the blueprint. Like it's been said, you're the standard. Um, you a bad bitch and can't nobody kill you. <laughs> okay. But most importantly, you really are the standard. We listened to Peng Black Girls before uh, talking about this. And in the song, she says, want a fat booty like Kardashians? No. Want a fat booty like my auntie got? Yo, you are the standard. They want to look like you. They want to imitate you, but you can't have this blackness you can't have this experience because it is so unique to us so recognize that know that love that i love you um and yes again thank you kumo and this is lila signing out i'm literally crying this is funny. <laughs> thank you so much anybody else i did have one um other thing to say Dawn. Just um, speaking. Um, in regards to like consciousness, being super aware of how colorism affects you in your day to day. A couple years ago, I remember watching um, back to our conversation about like the lightning creams and all of that stuff. I remember like um, watching this video about how there are lightning creams in our uh, lotions, lightning creams in our skincare routines, and et cetera, et cetera, with the turmeric and all that stuff. Um, balancing out your skin, um, always wanting to have like one tone. And um, uh, Lila actually touched on it earlier when they spoke about, sorry, I'm looking for the wording. When they spoke about texture and all of that stuff when it relates to colorism um, and pretty privilege as well, a lot of people will see brown skin or dark skin women, but sometimes the dark-skinned women that are accepted are only the ones that have smooth skin are only the ones that look like they have eurocentric features only the ones that have um nice curly hair quote-unquote good hair i was always told that i have me and my sisters always been told that we have like that good hair and all of that stuff um but it, at, at the end of the day being conscious and aware of like what i'm sorry what i'm getting to um just be more aware, pretty much. Yeah, carry yourself with that. Um, take those skin, take those skin uh, care things out of your regimen. Take it away. Anything that says lightening, smoothing, evening, and all of that stuff, like they may say that it's for you. Like, hey, let's have a balance of skin, but then it's like a ratio of people who have other things going on with their skin tone and all of that stuff so brightening thank you <laughs> thank you um yeah just take that out of your regimen and and be more conscious with your language and be more conscious with how you treat yourself and how you speak of yourself and how you view others and that will help you greatly because if you want um something that helps balance out your skin tone correctly the way you want it to be don't go for brightening or lightening things because that's stripping away from the uh, nutrients that's in your actual skin there are natural things that will help you with that so just turn to other things that aren't americanized basically um and be more conscious and aware uh, but yeah that's gonna be my last note <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everyone, for, um, again, sharing your experiences, sharing your stories. Um, you know, sometimes I'm like, yo, I wish I had more men. I, I wish I had more Black men. 
but I'm learning that this, this uh, podcast, because even when I look at the um, analytics, my biggest supporters are Black women and Black femmes. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for supporting and standing alongside uh, this podcast and, and, and seeing, you know, seeing the vision, because again, this literally is a woman who is doing something where one, I literally should struggle with how I sound and how I'm not the acceptable Black girl. Um, so my purpose is to center Black women and Black femmes. And um, if Black men, you are out there listening to this podcast and you listen to this conversation on colorism, I am challenging you and holding you accountable because you also perpetuate this by not, um, you know, not talking about it, not checking your homeboys, check your friends, check people in your community, because, you know, you have so much power as a black man to check your people, to check people around you. Because again, the way this will continue to perpetuate itself is if we don't, if you as a black man don't recognize your privilege by upholding this fucking Eurocentric standard that is literally killing so many black women in this country and little black girls. Um, And I have committed myself to utilize every, 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 a privilege that I have to make sure that Black femmes and Black women are amplified in everything that I do. Um, so Black men, I am challenging you, if you're listening to this podcast today, I am challenging you and holding you accountable to make sure, I know y'all got your own shit and I'm not disqualifying your problems. However, I am challenging you and calling you to action to make sure that you center dark skin women you center brown skin women stop saying this shit that i just prefer more girls with nicer hair that shit is is fucking destructive it's problematic um and transgender black women as well i am calling you to protect transgender black women it's not it's it's problematic that their life expectancy is 35 years old that should not be the issue so today If you are a Black man and you are listening to my podcast, you have a huge responsibility just because you don't know people, you don't know those Black women, or you don't know those Black femmes, or you don't know those Black transgender women, does not mean that you should not get involved. So yes, thank you for tapping into this podcast, into this conversation. I know it was a long episode, but it was a necessary conversation. Um, And thank you so much to every one of you all who came onto this panel, my first ever panel. I was nervous as fuck. Um, (laughs) But thank you so much for being here. And I hope that I delivered and that um, you felt seen if you're a dark skin person, if you're a brown skin, I hope that you felt seen in this conversation. This was all to amplify you and your voices and your experiences. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for tapping in. And I will be sure to um, add every person who was on this panel, I will add their handles so you can follow them and even ask some follow up questions or if you want to resonate with them in in any way, I will be sure to uh, to add their um, information in the description below. Um, and again, please continue to share Kumo's Unfiltered Combos podcast and let me know how this is, you know, influencing you and empowering you and what you really feel, you know, um, and if you felt like, damn, like I felt really angry about this conversation, that's okay, I will take it. Um, those are natural reactions. 
Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening and supporting Kumo's Unfiltered Campus podcast. And we will see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Ooh, how do I stop? Wait. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Stop.